Hey, CJ. Yep. What was the worst job you ever had? Oh, uh, probably working in Eddie ba- at Eddie Bauer in the mall. <laughs> I just I realized like really quick that I just I wasn't cut out for retail. It, it would be these weird things where you would well not weird but just if you were staging for the holidays and that's when I was working there. I worked there for probably about a year shortly after moving to Texas, and I just I couldn't do it. I tried. It was soul sucking. And I have so much respect for people that, you know, work in retail for, you know, 20 years. I, I just, I couldn't do it, man. I, I did like the discounts and the free stuff because yeah. they would have these, well, they, they never gave free stuff away, but they had once a month when you had to go to like stage for the next thing, they would do a 99 cent. So you're basically paying taxes. So it was like a dollar seven. But you could pick anything out of the store and pay 99 cents for it. That was cool. But, man, you talk about just sucking the life out of me, man. I was miserable. What about you? Uh, It was probably the cookie company that I worked at at the mall uh, in Florida. (laughs) There's There's a theme happening here. It was terrible. Man, the uh, apparently the owner was on Shark Tank or something like that. Um, they turned her down, I believe. And she, yeah, it, it wasn't Great American Cookie Company. So I'll just say that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, I knew that. But <laughs> the listeners probably did. Um, and so, yeah, man, it was just the worst. Like the people that worked there were just not fun to work for. Um, the... We had to pass out samples like every hour. Uh, somebody had to be out there. Even if the other person that was there was slammed, like the the second person would have to pass out samples. And if you were by the <laughs> if you were there by yourself, you would still have to do it and then just go back inside to ring up the order whenever and then go back out to do samples. <laughs> it dude, it was rough. And we oh, they man. they claimed to use all natural ingredients, but they used margarine and not butter. <laughs> And like fucking M and M's. Have to have a food podcast. Um, yeah, dude. Like it was just just lies upon lies, and and ugh, I forget there was some other things. This one in particular that I worked at had a mouse problem, so that was bad. And then the, nobody was really doing anything about it until the owner came in uh, from out of state, and I was the only one working that morning because I was opening. And she goes to the back and sees our our hamper with all our towels in it, and there's like mouse shit and and she screams and freaks out. It's like, I've been telling these, I've been telling the manager that there's a mouse problem for a long time and they don't do anything about it. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say one day, like I was only there for like supposed to be there for half a day and I, I got all of the cookies made faster. So I was just like, all right, my job's done. Like I can go. And then they called me said, uh, Hey, just because you were done with the cookies doesn't mean you get to go. I was like, I thought that's all I had to do today. He's like, yeah, but you could have stayed to clean and blah, blah, blah. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> um, a funny aside, anytime you FaceTime me on my, you know, via uh, Apple products, it pop your name pops up with your avatar and it says the name of that cookie place. I don't know why. What? But it just does. It, it says 
BC, but it's actually spelled out. I, I don't know why, but it you just, just does. refuse to change it, or you don't know how to change it. I don't remember saving your number and putting your <laughs> jo- your job name on the thing. I mean, unless you like texted I shared it to my me contact a certain way your, or something. Yeah, I, I yeah. shared my my. You got a new phone, and I sent you my contact info, and that's what what I what are what I had on my profile uh, at the time. Did you give a mouse a cookie. There? <laughs> You'll shit on your rags. <laughs> Hi, neighbors. Welcome to another episode of the Praise and Broship podcast, where two best friends who are deconstructed Christians. Deconstruct praise and worship music, as well as other forms of Christian and secular media. As former praise and worship musicians and students of theology, we'll do our best to bring unique, lighthearted, and hopefully insightful conversations to your ears every week. My name is CJ, and I'm in Louisiana, and I'm joined by my best friend, Luke, who's in Florida. Luke, how's your walk been? Uh, well, I have a rant. Oh, Okay. Uh, so currently in the city that I'm in, Sun and Fun is going on, which is just like a, an air show, like a week long airplane jerk off session and air, air show, like the blue angels come and do events here. And I just, you know, people complain about gas prices, but nobody's talking about, you know, the planes that fly over stadiums and these air shows or NASCAR or anything like that. Like those can't be touched. Those have to be there. So like, we got to figure out how to deal this deal with this, you know, gasoline crisis that we go through every few years. <laughs> I looked it up and it's estimated that the, for the Super Bowl, it costs the taxpayers about $450,000 for those planes to fly over uh, the stadium. I thought you were going to say million, so that was well, but I a mean, it's, I, I grew to, up going. I grew up going to to football games where they did that every game. It maybe not have been the the boat the most expensive planes or like the you know as many planes as the Super Bowl, but it, I definitely saw that pretty regularly. And to think NASCAR, not just the races, but all of the the practices and timings and like all the all that shit, you know, like they just literally burning through fuel that doesn't need to be uh used up it's just silly to me that no one ever talks about that that was a that was an all-women flight crew uh, that flew over at the super bowl and they probably only got 20 percent of what men did for that <laughs> oh, no. i'm sorry it was in my head and i had yeah, to i had to it get had, it out it, it had to be said um <laughs> Which is sad. It's uh, but you know yeah. we, we got a joke to keep from crying. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it. I could say more, but I think I got my point across. It's it's wasteful and doesn't need to happen. Oh yeah, and yeah. Um, it's just such a, a institutionalized that like you can't even question it. It's like well they they have to do it. It's like no, they don't. <laughs> they don't have to do that. And we could <laughs> how much fuel could we be saving? I don't know. It's just maybe it's a drop in the bucket, but it, it seems like at this point every drop counts. Yeah, that's what they make so, it seem like. That's all I got, man. I wanted to put that out there. Stay woke. How's my walk? It's uh, it's going. Oh well. shoot! Damn it! I, I, uh, oh man, I got used to going second <laughs> for some reason. God, why do yeah, I? Yeah, I thought you it was, did go second a couple of times in a row. 
I um, thought for some reason I thought I was about to do the next segment, introduce the next segment. I was th- gonna throw to you. I just had the wrong thing to throw to you in that moment. <laughs> yeah, no, every, everything's good on my end. Honestly, uh, new job uh, requirements are a lot, but it's a good place to be for me. Uh, a lot of growth opportunity in that respect, and so good, good stuff happening. Just very tired, mostly like mentally and intellectually exhausted at the end of every day just because of it's this new, new stuff that I'm having yeah. to learn. And it's just it's it's tough, but I'm I'm starting to get it get my head around it a little bit. But I wanted to ask a question, and we've we've talked about this before, like not on the podcast, but we've texted about it or we've brought it up when we were playing a game or something uh fairly recently. What is the, I I don't want to know if you would call it an ethical response, an honest response, if someone truly like fervently asks you to pray for them about a situation or something that's, you know, going on, like what for someone that does not pray, uh, and I'm talking about at least not in the the, the Christian sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, can you please, please keep me in your prayers. Um, I, you know, I've, I've had some health issues and I just need to give this up to God and, and I need as many prayer warrior warriors as I can get. Like, what do you say to that as someone when my, that... <laughs> when it's my mom, like, nothing. Because she... Um, I mean, do you yeah. like, do you, do you kind of turn it on its head in, in a way, like, like reframe it to be something that you would actually do? Like, yeah, you know, that's I'll, probably I'll the best thing. I'll definitely be thinking about you. I'm sending positive, you know, thoughts and, and energy your way. Like, do you, do you just kind of spin it a little bit? Because I, I, I struggle with that because my mom, <laughs> my mom and your mom, but my mom will say like, you know, my, my knee is really bothering me. She's, she's about to have knee replacement surgery and, and it's just so hard for me to get around and I just, I hate it and I, I can't do what the things that I love to do. And I, I just need prayers. I just need you to pray for me and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, mom, you know, like I don't. Well, what I really want to ask is why, why aren't your prayers enough for God? Yeah. That's what I want to say, but I never do. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't know that that's the right context to be confrontational. Not that I think. No, it's definitely not. That's why I'd never say it. (laughs) Right. Right. Not that you, I don't want to want you to think that I would, that you would go that far because I don't, I don't think you would, but it's just something I've thought about because we've, we've kind of talked about it a little bit off the podcast. And I mean, you could say something like, well, it would be insincere of me and dishonest of me to say that I would, because I don't believe that. You know, right. like that's probably the that's the most honest way of dealing with it. It's just like it would be insincere, and like sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to lie, but I I don't see that in this context it being okay to lie, right? Because this person really believes in the power of prayer, and they're asking you as someone that well, they feel I mean, like might still pray, right? They we might, know they that might the, not know your know situation. The, sorry. The audio is messing up. No, you're interrupting good. you. Uh, we we do know that the placebo effect works if someone believes it enough. So maybe, 
maybe if we lied, it could yeah. get, you know, it actually could give them something. Whereas if one more person tells them, no, I don't believe in that, you know, maybe they get, you know, maybe they go into a spiral and then that, and that goes bad for them. So I guess I could mm-hmm. see that there could be an argument for lying. I just can't yeah. bring myself to say that I'm going to do it because I just, it feels gross to me to say that I'm going to do it whenever I won't. I know I won't. And I, and I think that that shows character and integrity to not lie. But, but I do see what you're saying. It, it definitely is one of those things that it, it can help someone if they think that they have all of these people behind them praying for them. It can be helpful. So, and, and I, there's not a right or wrong answer here. What, what about like the using some of the love languages, words of affirmation and acts of service in particular, you know, like, well, if your knee's bothering you, well, maybe, you know, I, we can get you a wheelchair and I can walk you around the park, you know, something like that. Um, and we can spend yeah. time together doing something where you don't have to worry about your knee, you know, in that specific yeah. instance. But there's there's an infinite number of, uh, you know, problems. So an infinite number of ways to uh, to go about helping that person with that problem. Yeah. Quality cooking, time, cooking a, someone's yeah, cooking a, yeah. a homemade meal for them so that they don't have to stand over the stove and cook with a with a hurt leg, you know, anything like that could also lift their spirits just as much as a prayer or saying that you're yeah. going to pray for them. So right, and I think that's what Jesus would do in that context. Obviously, I mean, yeah, I think I think that Jesus would would do those acts of service and and put it into action. And for some people, that's prayer, but for those who don't pray to the Christian God, it's you have to show that in some other way. And I think that that's a really great idea, man. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. All right, CJ. I get nervous every time mm-hmm. it's your week for a Christian song. So, what did you bring for us? <laughs> well, oh god, I'll I'll skip the formalities. I I picked a song that I used to sing a lot or perform a lot in praise and worship bands really early on when I first started playing praise and worship music. <laughs> the song I chose is. Your Love is Extravagant by oh, Daryl Evans. <laughs> oh, God. Why did we do this one for the Valentine's Day episode? <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Well, get ready to cringe, everybody. Uh, all right. We are going to listen to Your Love is Extravagant by Smith, and we will get can, back at you in I, just... In, <laughs> before, before we cut to the, to the little pause music... I highly encourage you, if you're listening to this, uh, the Daryl Evans version especially, there are some other versions out there. He, he's the original artist. His version is eight minutes long. Oh, God. So we're probably going to utilize the, the uh, skip forward button. <laughs> listen, you're more than welcome to, to, <laughs> to listen to the whole thing. But I'm just telling you right off the bat, it's eight minutes and nine seconds. Maybe listen to a different version. Casting Crowns has a version of it. It might be shorter. I'm not exactly sure. But anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. But yeah, we're going to listen to it. Probably not all of it. And y'all can pause that. The links for all the songs are always in the show notes. I finally mentioned it at the beginning of an episode. 
you can click on the link. Well, or go seventeen to your minutes in streaming site. Well, before any of the songs started. Yeah, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, neighbors. You hopefully just listened to at least a few minutes of Daryl Evans' song, Your Love is Extravagant. Luke, what are you thinking, man? Mm, intimate. <laughs> um, man, I... So, I was writing down some jokes. Uh, well, really just one joke. Uh, if you change the word grace to anything else at the beginning of the song... You may not know it's a Christian song until after he says spread wide in you know in the arms of Christ. <laughs> uh, at first I was like yeah. I'm I'm moving to the rhythms of your hips, but that didn't really work with the <laughs> the rhyme scheme, so maybe uh pace would work better. I feel yeah. I'm moving to the rhythms of uh, your pace. And then I realized man, as the song kept going, there are only a couple of words that make this a Christian song if you think about it. I could change very little yeah. and make it a completely different song. If I, at the end there, if I move Lord to the beginning of that line, it would say, Lord, and you're patient with, or, Lord, you are patient. Like, you know, it's like you were talking to a significant other. You're patient with me. Um, but the bigger <laughs> one is every time that he, instead of saying Christ, if you added an A and made it Krista, or if you took away the, <laughs> or if you took away the T and made it Chris, it's a very different song at that point. Spread wide in the arms of Chris is the love that covers sin. And we know what Cindy's talking about. Uh, before we get too deep into the weeds here, <laughs> what's uh, what's the word, Luke? Uh, oh, God, this is uh, deceptive, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is the word. Um, <sighs> let's see. I'll do... Let's do a flat 50. See how close I get. Okay. So, I did two word counts here. I did a word count. Uh, it's un- it, these, This is all unique words. But I did a word count for the entire eight minute and nine second song, and I did a word count for just the you know oh, the, I shot the way meat too of high. the song. I think I shot goes, way too high. Damn it! No, I don't know. So I uh, if I you if you count all the unique words, if you count all the unique words for the entire eight minute song, it's eighty one. But really, that's high. I thought it was going to be lower. Without without all of the spontaneous bits in that second half of the song. The word count is 45. You are really close. Oh, okay. Really thought, close. Wait, so the total word count is 81? So 80, 81 with all of the little scatting and stuff oh, that he does. Oh, the filler, the, fi- the praise and worship in, leader In filler. the last half of the song. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the rest of those okay. lyrics or words or whatever you want to call them, because he sings some of them. But yeah, that, that would be 81 unique wonder- words. But then just the... the part of the song like if you just yeah you considered me a friend capture my heart again and then just fade it out it would be 45 so um, i give that to you because we did we skipped through the last like three minutes of the song just to you um know, did whatever. you happen to do a total even including repeated word count i bet that's pretty high i didn't i i mean i did because it tells you the total words but i don't have it saved oh that's okay but I can probably do it while we talk at some point. Um, so. <laughs> so why did you pick this song? Daryl. Or you could tell me about the guy well, I, too. Well, I, I mainly just picked it because it was a song that I performed with praise and worship bands early on in my days of leading worship. 
or at least playing in bands if I wasn't leading worship. Well, you played this song quite a bit. Really easy to play, as you can imagine. A really nice melody. Nothing wrong with the yeah. the sound of the song. But yeah, it was just one that I... Okay, so to be completely open and honest, because one of us is going to do this song so it doesn't matter, I was going to do Trading My Sorrows, oh. <laughs> which is a Daryl Evans song. that he He's the original songwriter of Trading My Sorrows. Probably the song which we is did on the, the most... Same Back in when I in my church did. Oh yeah, it's by it. It's got to be the number one. We, did, we even did it in the, big uh, church. The, occasionally. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be the number one played praise and worship song, if I had to guess. But I, as I started thinking about trading my sorrows, I was like, eh, I would. I feel like I would get a little too serious with that one. And we've really been serious for yeah. pretty much every episode over the last couple of months, except for like. I had the one about the newsboy song Breakfast, which didn't really get that serious. But so I wanted to do something else by him. And this was just that song that I played all the time in bands more than Trading My Sorrows even. And yes, I did play Trading My Sorrows a lot. But yeah, so Daryl Evans uh, has been leading worship in some capacity since he was 14. Jeez. He's a, I think, I think it said he's 54 now. So 40 years he's been leading worship in some capacity for the last four decades, which is pretty impressive. And he, he's written some of the biggest songs mm. in praise and worship music uh, that have been covered. This song has been covered by Casting Crowns, The Almost, which if you don't know who The Almost is, you, you know who Under Oath is, right? Yeah, I, I never really listened to them, but I'm sure I've heard some of their stuff. Yeah, Under Oath is like a screamo post-hardcore kind of band from the early 2000s they're still around now too but they their drummer aaron gillespie he did a side project called the almost and his version of this song is actually really cool but this song came out it come it came out in 1998 on the record freedom and features which also features the song trading my sorrows yeah. parentheses yes lord and i will say this man the record is is I listened to it the other day and I had to skip around because there's some nine minute songs on this record. <laughs> he, he doesn't shy away from this kind of spontaneous free form composition, which I'll get to that in a little bit. But he, the title track freedom sounds like a Los Lonely Boys song, but it has, I mean, it really has this great guitar character to it. Really cool riffs in that song. It's a lot of fun. Again, I don't really agree with anything that's in there, but it's still fun to listen back to it after all these years and still recognize so many of the guitar licks and the production value on the record is really cool. For it being in 1998, it started to get away from that kind of 80s vibe that a lot of the contemporary Christian music had at the time, like you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael yeah. W. Smith, those guys just kind of embrace that synthy, spacey kind of 80s sound for, for way too long. And I think this is where you see CCM getting away from that. So I mentioned his kind of spontaneous talking and singing. He does it on several songs on this record and really on a lot of his songs on all of his albums. He's known for this extensive use of freeform composition, where several of his songs 
were written spontaneously, quote unquote, during concerts or worship services. And this is such a fun way to write a song. It, it truly is. It's a fun way to put pen to paper and just let whatever comes out, come out. But to all my musicians out there, this freeform, spontaneous uh, speed songwriting, while it's fun and it's a great way to get those thoughts out there before they fade or even to just bring out something that you didn't know was tucked back there in mm -hmm. your head, those are all good things. But, but there's got to be a refinement mm -hmm. after the fact. Yeah. You know, very, very few songwriters can write a great song in this manner without a fair amount of tweaking sometime down the road. Uh, I've always kind of been known to be a bit of a speed writer, not spontaneous or freeform necessarily, but I'll put, I'll put a song down in an hour. But then when I come back to it the next day, the next week, a month later, I realize the wording is off. Uh, the, yeah. I need to put something here in the, you know, my chord progressions, whatever your, your visions for your songs should never stop evolving. It's, they're never going to be perfect, but you have to be able to work towards something better than disjointed and sometimes even nonsensical. And I'm not saying that there's nonsensical lyrics necessarily in this song. It just, it, a lot of it just rings hollow and he goes on for four minutes with the music playing softly. There's no build back up to some, you know, climax, climax. Some <laughs> great grand ending. <laughs> yeah. I use that uh, intentionally. And that's really all I want to say about that whole thing. It is cool to be able to write those freeform compositions, but like I told Luke via text message a few nights ago, I would, I would be so much better of a musician if I hadn't spent so much time playing Christian music. And I, that's, that's not necessarily a knock against Christian music as it is. It's more just to say that it was not challenging me yeah. and nothing was pushing me toward really honing that craft. I could just live comfortably in G, D, E minor, C. And then when I wanted to change the key, I could just put a capo on the second fret or the fourth fret and call it a day. And that's just, that's lazy and you're not, we've talked about the difference between art and craft. You're not, you're not crafting something if all you're doing is just changing the pitch by using a capo. Or even if you don't have to use a capo and you know how to transpose in your head, that's great. And that's a good skill to have. But what's challenging about that to be like, hey, instead of playing this song in G this time, let's play it in B. And assuming that the other three or four members of your praise and worship band can transpose that fast, which I'm going to guarantee that not all of them can transpose yeah. that quickly in their head. You, you know, you, you've got to be able to challenge yourself beyond just, Hey, let's pitch this song up or down or let's speed it up or slow it down. Let's repeat the chorus <laughs> where it's not supposed to repeat it. And then we're going to fuck up the PowerPoint guy. You know, <laughs> it, it's those types of things where, it, it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun songwriting technique, but it's not the end of the song. It shouldn't be the end of the song there is, I guess, my point. Yeah, I, I, I played guitar for a few years, but really after like three months, I could like 
do most of the praise and worship songs that I knew. <laughs> um, and yeah, I thought yeah. that I was really good for being able to learn the guitar that fast. Like, I wasn't really learning guitar. I was learning chords in a few songs. Freddie. Um, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's super Christian. He's very conservative Christian. So he's getting, he's getting mad at that word trash talking Christian music. Yeah. So he did. He didn't know. He didn't like that. Uh, but, uh, so, so yeah, it's just like, to, but no, that's you, what I did. When you say that it wasn't challenging, it was like, oh yeah, that's why I never got good at guitar. <laughs> Cause that's all I was playing at the time. Yeah. I mean, I took guitar lessons or I was like 11. And as soon as my uh, instructor taught me how to read chord charts. I was like, I have everything I need to. <laughs> There's play nothing else to music, music on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is how you make a G. Oh, a D. Oh, an E minor. A C. No way. I'll see you later, man. And and that's a big regret that I have in life. Uh, you people say, oh, you know, if you could go back and change one thing about your life, it would probably be that. It would probably be not not really learning music theory until much later in life and. There's nothing wrong with using those four chords. They they work. It's a pop structure that it's there for a reason, yeah. like we've said before. But can you play those chord shapes? Can you take those chords and play them in different shapes? Play me a G that doesn't look like a G chord shape. But I just wanted to to talk a little bit about that freeform style is good and it's fun and it's a great exercise in songwriting it just should not be the end of the process well and I, it shouldn't be the beginning middle and end I, i've seen it or i've heard it done well i guess it's it's by word of the uh, the artist uh i've seen it done really well enter the worship circle usually has at least one improv song on their albums and theirs are really good but you know how much of that is truly improv how much of it is Phrases that they already had in mind that they wanted to incorporate into one of the improv songs and they just started playing and then, and then it happened to fit, sure. you know. So I, I choose to yeah, believe. Yeah, I think about that sometimes. I choose to believe them that they say they, they improv it, especially the way that they record. Um, I can see that being really inspiring in the moment. So, I mean, it can be done, but I totally agree. 99 plus percent of the time, that's not the end of the process. Some of the lyrics in this song are just... We, we talk about the whole Jesus as my boyfriend mentality, but the problem with this song, it just, it wouldn't work either way, whether you're talking about Jesus or a love interest from a secular perspective. I mean, when's the last time you told a lover that their love is extravagant? That, that word is well, that, I'm something. thankful that you consider me a friend. Right, right. And, and I think that those... Some of the sentiments in the song are fine, but it, but like you said, it kind of at the top, these are you could change just a couple of words, literally just like two words in this song, and it could be about a lover. It could be a secular song, and be a very very different song. Your friendship, mm, intimate. It's that. Mm, we we just, never did the mm in church. We always just said is intimate, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because the mm is it, just but it's too buttery. I had the thought during this. I didn't write this down until we were listening to it when we paused the uh, podcast there. But the the lines, uh, where is it? Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. Yeah, I, <laughs> secret place. I thought that sounded an awful lot like seven minutes in heaven. You know, from uh, yeah. middle school or whatever. 
which I never got to play. Womp, womp. But that's because I was a good Christian boy. I was saving myself. Um, but the really the main thing that I want to talk about, and I really, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because, I mean, you we can spend as much time as you want. But the main thing I want to discuss is this concept of love. I could have done a song from this record called I Am In Love With You. But like I said, I played Your Love Is Extravagant so much in the past that I just I had to choose it. But I, I Am In Love With You is is fascinating from this. And, and so is Your Love Is Extravagant from this perspective, this concept of love. The problem with Christians and non-Christians alike is how the concept of love has been over-romanticized. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, love is spoken of only as a noun. And, you know, it, it certainly is a noun, but love as a verb seems to be dying. To love as a verb... All right, DC Talk. Is very mu- it's very much a choice. Now, I want that to sink in, because some ears probably perked up there. I'm not talking about sexual preference or orientation. You love who you love, right? But to love others, to love your neighbor, your family, your friends, yourself, is very much a choice. Love is just lip service without action. And in the New Testament, there's three Greek words for love that are used. And they all, they all have a form, they all come with this baggage of action, this sense of action. Storge is the rarest word that oh, that's used that for love in in the um, New Testament. It only occurs a couple of times, and both times that it occurs are in a negative sense. I think this was in Romans chapter one. If you've ever read Romans chapter one, it's pretty negative. But think of uh, storge as familial love, loving loving and honoring your family, that type of thing. Then you have phileo, which is the word that's most closely related to our English word for love for the most part, but it doesn't, it doesn't have a romantic connotation. Phileo, think of the, uh, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, uh, like a warm friendship, a warm affection for someone else. It can have a romantic connotation, but it doesn't necessarily always have that and actually oftentimes does not have a romantic connotation, especially in the New Testament. Now, there's also agape, which we're going to talk about in a sec more, but there's a fourth word for love in Greek, but it's not in the New Testament. And that word is also very active. And that's the word eros. Eros is where we get our word for erotic. Most would probably define eros as romantic love but in actuality it's sexual love like it is sexual love so now that we're really getting into motion here we can talk about (laughs) agape which is the third fourth word we've talked about greek word we've talked about but the third and final word that is used for love in the new testament and the best example for agape in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 22, the greatest commandment, right? This is where Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Both 
instances of love there are agape. However, it's the verb form, agapao. So this love is not about feelings. This love is about action. It's about movement. Agape puts love to action in the greatest commandments there. You have to make the effort. You you get out of bed every single day and you have to make the choice to love the people around you. Because if you don't spend the time to nurture and to grow your relationships with with yourself and with others, it's not going to work. Love is hard work. And so there's, you know, Daryl Evans in this song sings that he's, you know, moving to the rhythms of, of your grace, of God's grace. But there's, where's the movement? Where's it? It's, I think I already said it. It just rings hollow. Jesus uses the verb here. A verb is an action. There has to be movement. There has to be forward motion. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're, it's all lip service. Oh, I'm in love with God. That's not an, that's not a verb. That's not action. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely does seem like fluff because the next line after find I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace is your fragrance is intoxicating. It's a little disjointed and it just, when you break it down and you're not in that, that um, subculture anymore, <clears throat> It just doesn't, it just sounds like you're trying to say something pretty, but it doesn't really mean anything. Yes, exactly. And I, I remember, I remember it be when I was in that and looking back on it that, yeah, I was just singing it because it, the words were on the screen. I didn't really, you know, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I don't, I mean, I guess at the time I believed it, but I don't know what I thought those words meant at the time because they don't really, they don't really mean anything on their own, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. That's interesting. And and it's just a fascinating thing to think about. It the there's there's some historical context for why love has been so romanticized over the last 200 300 years and that really comes from among other things the Victorian era because you see up to the Victorian era it was all about arranged marriages, right? You're going to, you are my daughter and you are going to marry this man because they are a duke or a prince or whatever. And it's a good political move for the family. Or you are my daughter and you are going to marry this person's son because they have land that they are going to give to me by me giving you them, giving you to them. Uh, okay. Because I was going to ask, like, it's, what if, if you're not if, anywhere connected to the royalty, what, what was the arranged marriage? What was the benefit of the arranged marriage? Yeah. I mean, it could be like, I'll give you 10 head of cattle for your, for yeah, your daughter, okay. you know, to, to, for you to betroth your daughter. Like, and so what you had in the Victorian era was you had women saying, you know what? I don't want to marry that pimply faced dude over there. I'm going to go marry this hunk who doesn't really have much money, but he's going to work hard and he's going to treat me right. And so you had this sense of feminism, this sense of empowerment. And it sounds like I'm blaming women for this, but, but I'm not. But, but the point being, you could choose who you wanted to marry like that. That was the thing. You didn't have to be you know, shipped off somewhere to marry someone for political power or for land ownership or to to carry on a family name in a certain way. 
you could choose who you wanted to spend your life with and actually have that autonomy. And so love became this kind of fairy tale type thing. And <laughs> it that's carried over to, to today that, that prince and knight in shining armor and the princess mentality that so many people are taught in Christian subculture, but this goes beyond Christian subculture. This is everywhere. Love is just, it's just something. It's just a something that happens and you you fall in love with someone. Well, guess what? You can fall in love with whoever you want, but if you don't make the choice and the effort and the movement to stay in love, that's not, it's not going to last long. It's it's fucking hard work, man. Like yeah. it's so it's so hard to to continue to love someone else, other people, not just in a romantic way, but in friendships, I mean, God bless, it's hard to love my family sometimes, right? But we nurture those relationships in ways that we can continue to have love for one another and be in communion with one another and in fellowship with each other. It's it's hard work. Yeah. I uh, I just had the thought of like, you know, you uh, your father comes to you and says, you know, he's a farmer and comes to you and said, all right, you're going to marry... Uh, Tobias over there, uh, he's gonna give you. He's gonna give me uh, three pigs for 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 this for the dowry. And I just in her head, I'm picturing three pigs. Abigail over there got <laughs> ten cows and three goats. What the? And I know I'm prettier than she is. Why is well uh, three pigs? Come on, Dad. I don't know. Just that thought popped in my head. <laughs> three pigs. But yeah, I, that's really that's really all I had to talk about. All right, Luke. So I started thinking when I was listening to your love is extravagant, I was thinking, what are some kind of <laughs> when he says spread wide? Yeah. I wanted to know if I could find any other indecent sounding Christian like one liners or phrases in Christian music. And so, man, I went on a hunt for some weird ones. And again, these are taking it taken out of context. So, of course, in this song, he says, spread wide. If you don't sing anything after that, it it's, <laughs> sounds a little bad. And then when he's doing the little freeform stuff at the end, the second half of the song, he says, I love what you're doing in me, Lord. Uh, that I just wow. thought that, that was kind of indecent, taken out of context. Yeah. And then, oh, and then in the song that I mentioned earlier, I Am In Love With You, which is Daryl Evans from the same record, one of the, uh, two of the lines from that are, I'm not even kidding, every day my heart is enlarged for you, so I will abandon myself to you. It doesn't even, what? Your heart is enlarged. You, That's you need to problem. go to a cardiologist. Yeah. You got to go to a doctor. Like call nine one one, and also abandon myself to you. That I don't know that that really makes sense. No, that it doesn't. And again, that's why not, probably why not part for of the you. Free. Like why not say for you? That would make more grammatical sense. Just say it again. Like he should have just said, "My heart is engorged." <laughs> I mean, what, what enlarged? I mean, they're both kind of yucky sounding. You'll know this one. Let's, let me quiz you on this one. This is a famous first liner from a 
Christian song. I come on my knees to bow down you know before you with all that I am. There's something for you. Um, is that? I always get these two bands mixed up. Damn it, CJ, you did this to me again. Um, we did the song fairly recently. I know, but I always get these two bands mixed up. Big Daddy Weave. Yeah, there you go. Audience I was gonna say I was Daddy gonna Weave. instantly say Casting Crowns because I keep getting those two bands mixed up because they sound uh, a lot of their songs sound the same. You'll probably get this one too. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Haven't we done this one too? I did. I don't know if we actually did this song or not. I think I did a Jesus or Jessica on this one once. Oh, uh, maybe that's what it was. Um, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I, I know I know the song, but I can't. It's been it's been too long. Draw me close. Oh, draw me close to yeah. Okay. Here's another one. The title of this song just kills me, but I'll read the lyric, the line here. Kisses from heaven of joy and laughter. Kisses, kisses. Mm. The the title of this song is called I Want to Lavish, parentheses, my love on you. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean if I heard it maybe I would know it. I don't know it just from that. <laughs> Why put that second right. part in parentheses? I think I Christian songs I, use the parentheses thing too much. You're just making the song longer. You're just making the song title longer. You're taking up two more keystrokes by opening and closing a parentheses. Like, I don't understand. If you think the song title's too long, then just don't put the last part in the title. Uh, it's it's silly. Next one. I've heard the wisp. Uh, sorry, let me start that one over. I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. Ugh. I don't expect you to know this song. It's a rat, it's a Matt Redman song. I'm rat Medman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need to write some <laughs> parody Christian songs underneath the name <laughs> Rat Medman. What would be another? What would be another good uh, transposition of of first letters? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, Thr- Thris Comlin. Tris. Tris Comlin. <laughs> Damn it! You beat me to it. <laughs> uh, Caved Drowder. Caramy <laughs> <laughs> <Karami> Jamp. <laughs> This is so stupid. Why are we laughing so much at this? It's so <laughs> oh, oh, God. Jamp is a great name. Carry me Jamp. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. That's a song called Good, Good Father. Let's see. A couple more. This is just a little phrase. Sloppy wet kiss. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look up the full lyric here because I can't remember it off the top of my head. It's not one that I'm familiar with. So it's a song by a band called Jesus Culture, or it's more of a collective, I think. And the song is called How He Loves. Let me find the full lyric. Okay, here it is. So heaven meets earth 
like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. There's a lot there. Yeah, it kind of made me think of uh, the flood, a sloppy wet kiss when heaven touches earth and (laughs) violent. Uh, Yeah, that, I don't know, that's... There's another part in that song where it says his presence, his love is so thick and tangible. That's really good. Okay, this person knows what they're doing. They're doing this on purpose. (laughs) They're trolling the Christian community. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like it, doesn't it? And lastly, I don't expect you to know this one, so I'll just say this is by... Thick and uh, deep inside me. (laughs) Like... Thick and juicy. Yeah. This is a song by Jason Gray called Jesus Use Me. I'm yours. <laughs> and the lyric. <laughs> I've seen that porno before. <laughs> but it was Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And he was just the gardener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are I am desperately wanting to please you with all that I am. And I know that you don't need me. But if you want me, I'm yours. Jesus. It's so, it's so great. It's that's an abusive so relationship. Yeah, that's a that's an abusive relationship. That like, and we've talked about codependency, but it's like I know you don't need me, but you know, give me a call if you, you know, yeah, you can you use my body for whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> I could do- <laughs> get a booty call from Jesus. <laughs> okay that, that's i don't normally i haven't been calling these for a while but that's definitely the episode title <laughs> i was gonna i'm gonna cut this out but he, i heard he gives good hand jobs okay um, <laughs> oh he's got a couple extra holes right <laughs> it's Okay, uh, you're going to have to answer me when I text you tomorrow and be like, should we cut this out? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but I don't, I don't we're think gonna, so. We're but... going to have to get Jackie's advice on whether or not we should cut that part out. Just send her that clip <laughs> un, uh, <laughs> out of context. Yeah. Oh, man. M- moving right along. <laughs> Oh, because he's a carpenter. Good hand jumps. Okay. Um, Well, wouldn't his hands be really rough, though? That wouldn't be great. That's where the holes come in. God, we got to stop. We got to move on. We're trying to one-up each other. We keep trying to one-up each other. Oh, that's the end of the segment. Next up is our secular song of the week. It's Luke's turn. Luke, what did you bring? So I chose a fun one, fun for me at least. This uh, I don't, and I don't know if you've heard this. I think it's a relatively new song. Uh, it is by okay. Will Will Thompson. 
Do you know this person? I don't think so. It, and it's a song called Checklist by Will Thompson. Okay. And I think we should watch the music video. It is on Spotify. I checked. Uh, but I think we should watch the music video. Okay, fair enough. Well, we're going to listen to Will Thompson, Checklist. And you guys can do the same, and we'll meet y'all back here in just a few. All right, neighbors. <clears throat> we just listened to Will Thompson, Checklist. CJ, what did you think? I mean, it might be the greatest country song ever written. <laughs> Because because it says everything. Yeah. You, you can't beat that. Usually country songs are just pandering to one or two topics and they, they throw in those cliches. But this one is just... <laughs> it hits every beat. <laughs> it just... Yeah. I thought you were going to say the other, other Christian songs leave, leave, always leave a few things out. but <laughs> And this one hits all of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I liked it. I, I mean... I love the tongue-in-cheek type stuff. Well, and it's literally engineered to to be catchy at the same time, and he's referencing that. (laughs) He's in a room with 10 other writers or whatever he says, you know? it's I'm reminded of, you know that song, it it was on the radio forever, called Body Like a Back Road. Oh, I've probably heard it. You would know it if you heard it, but it's just so stupid and pedestrian and i i read i happened to read an article from the songwriters because there were multiple somehow uh, talking about how it took them nine months to write the song and it's just like what how it's oh god it and i love that he references that kind of thing here because these songs don't take that long to write you just pander to an audience you you do a catchy hook where that sounds exactly like every other yes. pop country song that's on the radio and you get in and you get out, which is my, one of my favorite phrases because it's just ugh. It, it, to, to, to have, to take that long with that many writers and creative minds. And I use that term loosely writing a song again, a loose term. It just, ugh, the, the industry tropes and the, like I said, it's it's pandering. It's that that's it. That yeah. someone found a formula that worked, and then everybody and Toby Keith, does it. you know, taking taking a brave fucking stance. Toby Keith supporting the troops, and you know, it, it's it's those types of things where Aaron Lewis from Stained is a really good example of this pandering culture. Kid Rock is a great example. These are guys that were rockers and. Now they're doing country music because they have conservative views and that sells to a conservative demographic, Yeah, especially when you put a country twang to it. It's just, it's gross. Yeah. Uh, I, so I wanted to find, I wanted to talk about the whole, I, I knew that people had talked about it before and I didn't realize it was as widely talked about as it is. Uh, standups have, have uh, referenced this and uh, there's plenty of articles that reference this and obviously there's this. Um, Will Thompson is <laughs> very well versed uh, in this this subculture, and you know I was looking, I was trying to find a a more I don't want to say real country song, uh, but I wanted to find one you know a popular country song that that did this where they literally just listed out things and then went into a chorus and then 
listed some more things and went into another course. And that's when I stumbled across this song. But in looking into it, I did see people commenting, saying like, oh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's con- you know, rednecks listing things that they like and singing about them. And then someone else commented, yeah, just like how rappers list things that they like and sing about it. It's like, okay, fair. But that's not what this episode's about. <laughs> uh, right. And, you know, you could say the same thing about rap is following tropes and the, the mumble rap all sounds the same to me. It's just... Yeah, it, it's when you're when you pander to an audience and you're not really trying to express yourself artistically. You're just trying to get famous by um, doing what everyone else is doing. I just I find that kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned that uh, right before we started recording again, but the, the fact that he ends the music video with taking down the green screen, it's just like, oh, it was all fake the whole time. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I think that was yeah. absolutely an artistic choice to, to to show that it was all fake and that none of it means anything. Um, but I, I did want to ask you, when do you think mainstream country music really took a turn for this kind of bullshit? I have an answer, but I want to know your answer. I think it started to take a turn in the... I, I can't give a year, but probably toward the end of the nineties, but it did, it wasn't, it wasn't the, this kind of rap style country music where it's almost like they're, they're carrying a, a rap cadence with a really, really over, overly exaggerated country twang, uh, which is rich coming from me. Cause I, I, <laughs> I'm pretty country, but, but yours is real. I don't know the, if these, all these guys are. Well, no, it's de- this definitely not real. These guys don't really talk like that. I think Blake Shelton probably trained himself to talk like he does. And and a lot of people do just have really thick country accents. I mean, I've lived in Louisiana or in Texas my whole life. And so I have that twang and it really comes out in certain contexts. And, you know, it, it, when you sing like that, it doesn't it's not as genuine your your singing voice is not naturally going to be as twangy as your your speaking voice. It can be close, but it th- there's just certain melodies and certain intonations and things that you do with your voice when you're singing versus speaking. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I was going to say is you had like some country artists doing this parrot head style of of country music like jimmy buffett style with kenny chesney did it what's the name of the song that he did that was so big oh shit i'll have to i'll have to look it up she thinks my attractor sexy it (laughs) well obviously though that's when you really really got into some of the checklist stuff but it, it really did start with kind of this beachy tropical sound and then just kind of continued on to the more of the feel the feel good uh checklist country style music where like you mentioned she thinks my tractor sexy 40 years ago country music was about heartbreak it was about losing the one the person that you loved you weren't talking about your dog that you had to shoot out back because it was uh suffering or you didn't talk about your old rusty pickup truck or go into a party with red solo cups. You know, that that's those weren't things that were talked about in country music. Country music, I had a professor 
in college say that his two favorite types of music were opera and country. And he had this long pause and we kind of looked around at each other and he said, the reason why is because they're both about crying, loving and leaving. And that's, that's what country music was for me growing up. I was really big into country music. I still am. I, I love a lot of country music, but not this style of country yeah. music. That's just, it's just a Florida Georgia line crap. It, it's, it's just, I get that it's catchy. I get that it's easy to listen to. Easy to write. Easy to remember the lyrics. <laughs> um, yeah, it actually does have a lot of. It has a lot of similarities to praise and worship music. I just, I'm, I'm realizing. But the reason why I I brought up uh, she thinks my tractor sexy is that that's when I noticed a shift in country music because uh, mm, you know mm. I grew up in South Louisiana. Like I heard country all my life. Um, my bus driver for like six years, all she listened to was the country music station. So I heard a lot of country in the early 2000s. And whenever she thinks my tractor is sexy, that's when I really noticed, oh, they're like, and then the years uh, after that, it's like, oh, there was, there was a shift with that song. That's, you know, soon after, not that many years after that, it was Red Solo Cup and, you know, all these dumb, I'm just going to say it, dumb songs that, that came out. <clears throat> and, I guess other people realized, oh, we can do this simple music and talk about whatever we want. As long as we have that country accent, we can be successful. And there's just like no substance in mainstream country music. And I, I can say that about a lot of different mainstream music, uh, you know, including one of my favorites of, of rock um, and some hip hop. And, you know, it's it's sad that that's the stuff that gets so popular. And I don't know if that has to do more with the music industry or the audience, you know? Yeah. And uh, I looked into it just now. I was, and I, <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, I, I should have done more research. That's one of my common phrases on this, uh, on this show is, uh, but you know, she thinks my tractor sexy and the music video is him riding tractors and all that stuff. Um, his father was a teacher and his mother was a hairstylist. So it's not like he grew up on a farm. <laughs> so and I, and I think that that's probably very common among a lot of these uh, country artists who are touting redneck upbringings and and doing hard labor and all that stuff and again it's just tropes like none of them did that i mean i'm, I'm sure there are a few but fucking keith urban probably didn't <laughs> it's it's kind of yeah. gross that it, it is in a sense cultural appropriation you know these Poor conservatives, and I, I mean poor monetarily, um, economically, not like oh oh bless his heart, poor, you know, are <laughs> are eating this shit up, and it's just like these people didn't go through what you went through most you know most of their life, you know they're they're taking these ideas that they know you're going to relate to and profiting off of it, even though that's not their experience, and I think that's probably the grossest part of it. Yeah, I mean, they're catering to, right? I've, I've used the word pander, but you look at someone like Kid Rock that I mentioned earlier. He has a song even during his rock days where he talks about, I'm not, I ain't straight out of Compton. I'm straight out the trailer. It's like, bitch, you, li you lived in a mansion. Like his dad was very rich. Really? They were very wealthy. You didn't come out of a trailer. You stop, you know, and he's wow. pandered to every style of music because when Kid Rock first started and came on the music scene, uh, nepotism, uh, obviously, that's a different discussion. He was doing just straight up hip hop rap. 
And then he fused that during those rap rock heydays, right? And and got a little heavier. And then he slowly worked his way into country music. And again, it's like, that's your audience, man. If you think you came from a trailer park, then maybe you do need to be writing songs specifically for country music fans because they eat that shit up and yeah. they don't care if it's not true. They don't care if you have, if you're completely detached from what the 99% are faced with on a day-to-day basis. Like nobody wants to think about that. They just want lyrics that validate their way of life. And I get it, but it's still kind of sad. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Uh, I just looked up Keith Urban and his father owned a convenience store. So I'm not saying that he necessarily grew up wealthy, but he was playing music at a very young age, apparently didn't say anything about struggling as, as you know, struggling. He, he won contests at a young age and he just, I, w- I don't want to say he was given everything, but he seemed to have a lot of opportunity that a lot of other musicians don't have. I'm looking at yeah. Blake Shelton right now. And one of the songs I, I just thought about was Garth Brooks did a song in, I looked it up in 1997 called two pina coladas. That was very beachy. And I love Garth. I'm a, I am a Garth Brooks fan, but yeah, that, I think that that was kind of the beginning of getting out of traditional, the traditional style of country music. And then I did reference Kenny Chesney and he did a song with uncle cracker called like when the sun goes down and he did some other, uh, no shoes, no shirt, no problem. No. Sh- yeah. No shoes, no shirt, no problem. And so it was that kind of, and that was several years after that Garth Brooks song. And those are just two examples. But that's when I really started to see the shift in country music. And then, it, like I said, that just kept going into that territory where you had, who was it? Trace, Trace Atkins, who did the honky tonk, badonka donk song. <laughs> and Toby Keith did the, um, well, oh, he did a lot of kind of rap. You're going to get stuck songs, in my head. Don't he say the, it. I want to talk about God damn me. Damn it, you did you it. Now it's in I want to talk about me. Want to talk about my. Want to. T- <laughs> oh yeah. my god! And that's that's when you really started to see it become mainstream because it was probably happening before that. But and Toby Keith had has some good songs early in his career, like and I'm and I mean like early in you know the early '90s kind of thing. But you know you get. Uh, certain things sell, you know, and it's the same thing with Toby Keith, just really capitalizing on post nine 11 patriotism, man. It and just gets so fucking I, like, gross. I, like I said, you know, what a brave stance, <laughs> like we've talked about it off the podcast before, but all of these songs about yeah. courtesy of the red, white, and blue, like we'll kick your ass. You know, uh, it's, ugh. yeah, Blake Shelton's mom was also a hair. Uh, she was a beauty salon owner. I'm assuming she was a stylist at some point, but, and his dad was a car salesman. So I don't think he was hurting too much for opportunity. So yeah. What's up with all the car salesmen? Well, no hairdressers. That's the, the that's to Kenny Chesney and uh, Blake Shelton's parent or mothers were hairdressers. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. Like I, I was, I asked you earlier about when do you think the shift happened? And I'm realizing now that the shift that we're talking about is is what you mentioned earlier is that it was before it was about defeat and now it's all about winning and maybe that was around yeah. after 9-11 they started talking about winning versus losing because they couldn't stand 
being hit that hard by something like that. It yeah. really does seem to line up with that, with that uh, the more that I think about it, because ever since then, there's way more country songs about winning than losing when before it was not that. And in one of our, it was, was it the first episode we ever did? The first full episode? It hasn't been released yet. So the I'm not asking the audience this, but you did a George Strait song. I saw God today. And that mm. was in the 90s. And it, it's a great song. Yeah, it really impressed me. It's I thought not it, talking. A, I thought it was going to a place from yeah. of humility and you know joy and appreciating what the hand you're dealt in life. And it's just that's not country music anymore. Yeah, it's just not. And it's just it seems so masturbatory now. Like everything is just about look how great we are. Look how much fun we're having. Everything's great except. I hate half the population of the U.S. The government sucks, but I, but I back the blue and I love the military. And it's just, it's there's so many con- internal contradictions <laughs> going on, so much cognitive dissonance uh, in that mindset that I just don't understand. Yeah, oof, that's that's a great that's a great song. It's I don't I can't I don't see the mean spirit in it. You know, I I think it's just recognition <laughs> you can you can tell the you can tell the the brutal you know the honest to god truth and not do it in a in a mean spirited way I, I don't think he's he's was being mean spirited at all when writing this song it just comes off as being honest but having fun with it yeah too. Uh, he, he really did seem to be having a good time in the music video and the lyrics reflect that and it is a country song yeah. that could probably be put on the radio and people would not realize that it was making fun. Oh, I had that thought a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really want to send that to, they wouldn't uh, realize it. to yeah. one of my, to my most redneck friend and see uh, if he catches on. He probably would. He's a smart dude. Uh, and he'd probably laugh at it too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And, and, you know, we, we I think we mentioned this uh, a couple episodes ago, but there are there is still some good country music out there that doesn't do this bullshit. I mentioned Tyler Childers. Yeah. You know, keep your nose to the grindstone and out of the pills. Like that's a good line. Like that's such a good line, and that song is yeah. melancholy as fuck. Like, and it, it's just so good. And uh, well, and and a lot of those guys, you know, like Tyler. Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson. That was the one I was trying to think of next. Yeah. Those guys were coming out of areas that were devastated by the opioid crisis and, you know, meth and all of these other things that a lot of the pop stuff that you hear in country music, those people were probably pretty far removed from that. They probably went to private school or a really nice, you know, high school, low crime area they weren't really exposed to those types of hardships. And I don't know Tyler's backstory. I just know where he's from and, and Sturgill as well. And then you have someone like Jason Isbell, who you could argue is not really country music, more kind of Americana with, with some, with some uh, folksy country uh, meat in there a little bit. But Jason Isbell was a drug addict for years and he was, really bad off when he was with the drive-by truckers and he was able to get clean and stay clean. And that's reflected in his songs is all of the terrible things that he went through 
that he saw and that he's seen other people go through who weren't able to get clean. And you, you see those things that ring truer because they're real. They're, they're real feelings and raw feelings and emotions and not just lip service to a certain demographic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm just now thinking, and I'll probably, I'll close with this is, is it, you can write about stuff that wasn't necessarily your experience. You can write about aspirational things. I think you can write about, you can write about things that went on around you, but that didn't necessarily happen to you. But I don't know. I think what these country artists are doing, and again, some rock and rap artists are doing, is not that. They're they're claiming it as their own, even though they didn't go through that or didn't do that. And I think that that level of hypocrisy should be more highly criticized because it's it's dishonest. I mean, I, I keep saying the word gross, but let's just call it what it is. It's dishonest. And, and they're yeah. taking money from people who actually went through that stuff and are not wealthy uh, and getting wealthy off of pandering. I, I just don't think it can be overstated. I know we're repeating that a lot, but it just, it's just, it's wrong. <laughs> you know, it's sinful yeah, you know, to use their terminology. Yeah. Anything else you got about the song or about this, the topic in general? No, not really. I just, there are, a, there are a lot of really good, country artists out there and I, I think it's important to if you if you like country music but you you don't like the way that it's gone in recent years look some other stuff up there's a, there is good stuff out there and if you're just not really into country music in general then just be happy with where you are I guess but <laughs> you know but it depends on what your what your exposure to what's being called country music is. Because if it's stuff like this, like Checklist, then that's not really country music and you need to broaden out a little bit. Go listen to, you know, Conway Twitty and George Jones, Hank Williams, you know, come come more forward into the current day. Listen to some George Strait from the 90s, 80s and 90s. Listen to Travis Tritt and... And those guys who were still trying to carry country music through the 90s. And unfortunately, here we are today. But there are still some some good, good country music out there. Agreed. Before we go, we want to shout out our social media accounts. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. All those links are in the show notes. You can check there. Also, our email is down there in the show notes. You can always... Email us. You can email us song requests. You can email us questions, stories, anecdotes, whatever you want to email us. Just email us. And uh, if you want, we can read it on the podcast. We can do a song that you've requested. And until next week, we're going to end this slightly belated episode. If you're used to listening on Wednesdays, you probably noticed it's a little later on Wednesday getting out. We're recording at a different time, but we will see and love on y'all next week. And until then, always remember to love your neighbor as yourself. Bye guys. Bye.
He let he let Thomas see his hands. And poke his hole. 